Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. So what are you supposed to do between each Engadget podcast? Wait in silence? I'm Matt Smith, and every morning I walk through the day's biggest tech stories. It's short, relevant, and ready for listening whenever you wake up. Find Engadget Morning Edition wherever you find your podcasts, or ask your smart speaker for the latest news from Engadget. What's up, Internet, and welcome back to the Engadget Podcast. I'm Senior Editor Devendra Hardwar. And Reviews Editor Sherlyn Lowe. This week, it is about a lot of things, <laughs> but it is Microsoft dropping some of the biggest news, not just of the week, but of the year, uh, monumental news about them buying ZeniMax Media, the parent company of Bethesda, and all the studios that are a part of that. It's just mm-hmm. insane news. Uh, we will be diving into all that. Sherlyn will be talking about the Apple Watch SE, I believe it's your first Apple Watch that you're reviewing, Sherlyn, right? My first Apple review whatsoever. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a big step. Um, But yeah, we got Sherlyn over from the Android side, over from the dark side, (laughs) playing with an Apple Watch. And uh, it is funny (laughs) to see Sherlyn um, actually enjoying this piece of, you know, stable consumer electronics. So we will be diving into all of that. (laughs) As always, if you're enjoying the show, please be sure to subscribe to the Engadget podcast on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. Leave us a review on iTunes. That's super helpful. And uh, you could drop us a note at podcast at Engadget.com. We record live uh, typically every Thursday around 10 a.m. Eastern. So join us on our YouTube channel for that. So let me tell you guys about my Monday morning. I got up. I made coffee. I figured it'd be a pretty quiet week because things were super busy last week. Um, 9 a.m. struck. And just a little piece of news dropped. Microsoft buying ZeniMax Media (laughs) slash Bethesda. And this is insane news. And if you're not a gamer, I I can understand. It's like, oh, this this just sounds like a media holding company, which it is. But it's a media company. It's a media company that contains some of the biggest and most interesting game developers around, including Bethesda Game Studios. Um, You know, they're the ones behind all sorts of... uh, like the Elder Scrolls games, they've mm-hmm. got Fallout, um, id Software, the the originators of the first-person shooter. They've got Doom, Arcane. Uh, they're a smaller developer, but they made uh, the Dishonored series, which I love so much. Machine Games is behind the new Wolfenstein reboot, which are excellent. Tango Gameworks is a Japanese developer uh, that's made The Evil Within, and it's produced by Shinji Mikami, the Resident Evil creator. So hmm. this is... Huge. And this news came um, a day before Xbox Series X and S pre-orders went live, too. So talk about a combo of, you know, PR, of monumental (laughs) partnership news or a huge acquisition, just getting people excited for buying these next-generation systems. I was a bit floored by this. Um, I wrote up an editorial about it, too, because there's 
a lot going on with this deal. And we've talked a bit before about how Game Pass is kind of Microsoft's killer feature now, especially for these next generation consoles. Mm-hmm. So Game Pass, um, you know, it's there for a service, uh, 10 bucks a month. You can get access to a library of over 100 games, some EA Play games, and now they confirmed it's going to be it's going to contain these games from these studios too, or at least the Bethesda games, because um, they're all owned by Microsoft. That is just a ton of content that you know you'll be able to play. The thing I really go on about is a uh, Game Pass Unlimited. It is the the super Game Pass that is 15 bucks a month that includes Xbox uh, Live. And it also includes Game Pass for both PC and consoles. So there's a lot. There's just so much going on there. Sherlyn, <laughs> does any of this mean anything to you? Because I'm, well, I'm still look, processing this news. Yeah, you said uh, when you were introducing this news that if I'm not a gamer, maybe I want to... I'm not a gamer, really. And I still knew that this was huge news. A, yeah. because like I've even heard of the name Bethesda, even as a non-gamer. Sure, sure. Um, but that's probably because like I hang out with a lot of gamer people, um, and and it, it was making the rounds on Twitter as well. So yeah, it's a big deal. I you know have said in previous episodes that I'm considering buying my first gaming console yes. this year. The Xbox Series S was the one I was you know advised to get, and now one of the criticisms against it, or or one of the arguments to go for PS instead of Microsoft, was that maybe PS titles might be more fun for me to play, and so now with this like out in the open and assuming that some of these big titles will be added to the Xbox Game Pass thing, this definitely seems like the way to go for me if I could get a pre-order in. I'm not going to pre-order, but... Good, good luck with that. So they good also, luck. yeah, they kicked off pre-orders this week too. And Microsoft's whole thing was a lot more organized because they didn't just like mm. dump the news on Twitter and Jeff Keighley's, you know, Twitter feed. It was just like, hey, they said, I think it was like 10 or 11 a.m. on Tuesday. It's going to be at these sites. Go there. Try to get your pre-order in. <laughs> it worked for a lot of people. I know it's good. always a mess, especially for such a in-demand product. So it was messy, yeah. but it was nowhere near like the disaster <laughs> the PlayStation pre-orders were last week when... People were just scrambling. Things were all over the place. Like, nothing really made sense. So Sony had to issue an apology, yeah. sort of. Uh, culpa. Not, it didn't seem like we were on it was... to a good start here. But hey, no. <laughs> just crazy news. And uh, the Game Pass thing, by the way, it's Game Pass Ultimate, not Unlimited. Mm-hmm. I always get that mixed up. Um, but this is really, here's the key, right? This, this acquisition just brings all these games, some of the biggest franchises around within this game subscription service, which is yeah. relatively inexpensive. And um, there there are potential downsides to that too. I do feel like Microsoft may start playing the exclusivity uh, game, <laughs> you know, the exclusive yeah. game thing that Sony has been doing for a while too, which I think is not great for gamers. It's not great for consumers. It's nice for companies to say like, hey, I have Final Fantasy 16 for the next mm. year exclusively, which PlayStation 5 will, because they debuted that in the trailer a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago. Um, that's not great for gamers who only have, you know, an Xbox One, or, yeah. or another system. So I do think right. we're moving to a stage where game exclusives kind of need to stop. Uh, but then again, I think Microsoft has long been criticized for not having those killer exclusives like Sony right. does. Um, so yeah. now that they actually have these these franchises... Who knows what's going to happen? Um, you know, some quick updates. Uh, they did say some of the games that were already basically scheduled to be um, to be exclusive on PlayStation Five will still be there. Like they're going to honor those deals. So that includes uh, was it Tokyo, the the next game from Tango GameWorks, and the next game from Arcane. Those are still going to mm-hmm. be limited exclusives on PlayStation. 
even though they're owned by Microsoft, which is hilarious. It must be a contract thing. It has to be like they've yeah. got contracts. They yeah. can't. Money's yeah. already changed hands. The contract yeah, is already exactly. set. So that's that makes sense. But yeah. they did say, Microsoft said that they will take future titles, like making future titles cross-platform on a game-by-game basis, which could mean like the future, like a future Doom or a future Elder Scrolls may only be on Xbox for a while. And that's a potential danger there. Um, that's all in my editorial about all this because I think this puts Microsoft on a on a path that is potentially dangerous. Um, I think it's exciting if you care about the business side of things. It could be dangerous when it comes to the consolidation of media and having mm. so many developers and so many games under one company. Is that something that worries you, Sherlyn? I, I think that... Uh, the exclusivity thing I know is like a business strategy, but I do think why don't like making it available on more platforms yeah. should mean more money, right? It should mean more people are able to buy it. It should. So that <laughs> it should be the, the way to go. <laughs> I, th- I think for the biggest games, that will probably be what happens. Yeah. And Satya Nadella, I think in an interview with Bloomberg, said that their their goal is to be, you know, kind of work with the ecosystem and have their content be broadly available. Right. And that's really what he's been pushing Microsoft towards, like not just building Windows phones. They gave up on Windows phones, but they built their apps for iOS and Android right. to really get, you know, get their services out there because it matters more if people are paying Microsoft, you know, a monthly subscription yeah, fees, or right. annual subscription fee for, for Office than if they buy Microsoft's phones. And mm-hmm. We're waiting to see if kind of the same thing will happen for Xbox. I do think Game Pass puts Microsoft in a good place to basically continue that. Um, and yeah, if they sell copies, even without Game Pass, if they sell copies on PlayStation 5 or wherever, that's still ultimately good for Microsoft. Exactly. Um, yeah, so this is a long, confusing thing. Um, Shirley, you had joked that this is sort of like <laughs> Microsoft couldn't get TikTok. And we'll talk a little bit more about what happened to TikTok. But hey, this is a fun consolation, right? And I don't have, yeah, we couldn't buy yeah. TikTok, so here's here's Bethesda instead, offering Bethesda. up on another plate. And I think that's uh, just looking at the timing of things. That yeah, that seems kind of funny. I think we've learned that this deal in particular has been in the works for you know several months since I believe before the summer. And for the past few years, Microsoft has also been rumored to be you know trying to buy some major studios. I believe Capcom was a really strong rumor for a while um which would be kind of amazing and honestly they could still do that amazing um but capcom also uh they had what was it monster hunter world was such a huge success for them i believe one of the if not the biggest you know best-selling game of all time um that really i was just thinking street fighter when i hear capcom street fighter's not been selling so well i know it's mainly not lately but to me that's like the game i grew up with yeah. yeah. So Ben, I know you're a PC gamer. <laughs> ben, our producer, um, do you have any thoughts about what's going on here? I'm actually more of a console gamer okay. than a PC gamer, but uh, I think the interesting thing here, I was just thinking as you were saying uh, Microsoft needs exclusives, that when was I introduced to the entire concept of the Xbox. Right. It was about 2002, 2003, maybe 2004, and it was with um, Halo. Yeah. The Halo exclusive on the Xbox was really, really consequential. Yeah. And as the main Halo trilogy <laughs> has gone through its motions and it passed on to 343 we talked about how 343 has not been doing as great a job keeping up the halo legacy as um bungie did 
it makes sense that Microsoft would be looking for something to really like put that much more value proposition mm -hmm. into their console or a Yes, reinforce the value proposition <laughs> of possible exclusives for their console. Yeah, and this is a little different than just like Halo, right? Because Halo was, that was an in-house thing. It was built by Bungie, and they, they brought in Bungie because Bungie was making, what was it, Marathon, I believe, for Max uh, in the 90s. So they brought in Bungie to do this. But Halo was a property you know, that premiered on the Xbox. That was a big thing. Uh, all these other games, uh, Wolfenstein, Doom, uh, Elder Scrolls, these are things that we're used to seeing on PC and elsewhere and other consoles for it to just be in Microsoft. That's uh that's an interesting change. It's potentially, you know, bad change for Sony because it means that they're going to have to start working with Microsoft to get these games. But uh, yeah, it, it just seems crazy. This is a deal on the level of uh, like the Disney Pixar relationship. I believe this is, this was a $7 billion plus deal. So it was more than Disney played for uh, Lucasfilm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we were talking about that in the production meeting yesterday, and so I looked up some of the numbers. And actually, so yes, this is significantly larger than LucasArts because LucasArts was about Lucasfilm. one. LucasArts oh, Lucas is film, different. Excuse me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. LucasArts is a subsidiary. <laughs> uh, I don't even think so they exist Lu anymore. But yeah. Okay, I'm thinking about <laughs> you're thinking Star about Wars, the 90s. Shadows of the Empire for yeah. Nintendo 64. Excuse me. <laughs> um, but I so the. Scale of the Lucasfilm deal was about one, maybe one and a half billion dollars. And so this is more on the scale of Disney Pixar, as you said. It's actually very, very similar. Um, I think this deal with Bethesda was mm -hmm. about seven point four billion and the Disney Pixar deal was seven point five billion. Okay. So like what is a yeah. hundred million dollars? The Lucasfilm really? thing was four billion, by the way. But yeah, yeah. That is it's all big money. Like money what, what does any of this thing matter? you know, when we're talking about billions of dollars. But yeah, this is a huge freaking deal. Um, we're going to see the impact of this acquisition for years. This is a sea change in the way the game industry works. So it'll be interesting. Um, listeners, I want to know too, does this affect how you're, you're thinking of the next generation consoles? Email us at podcastandgadget.com. We'd love to be chatting about this. There's just so much uh, to get excited about and so much to get worried about too. So we briefly mentioned that, hey, Microsoft didn't end up getting TikTok, <laughs> like a lot of our reporting and a lot of the drama around this really, that's where this all started. So now TikTok is partially owned by Oracle <laughs> and Walmart, question mark? So strange. It's, yeah. it's a very weird turn of events. I wasn't expecting this to be the ending of the story, but uh, <laughs> there we go. What was it like? Twenty percent is yeah, held they're by. They're both getting a twenty percent investment stake uh, in the newly formed TikTok Global Company, and Oracle is going to be TikTok's secure cloud provider. Uh, basically, you know, the, there there is no shutdown. Um, the president has basically approved the deal in concept, uh, although he mm. was trying to find kickbacks from it because, of course, um, trying to get money out of it. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So hey, TikToks. TikTok's still around, um, now partially well, owned by Oracle Walmart. It's just I guess strange. my question to our listener uh -huh. and our live viewers is, does this make you feel better about TikTok now? Are you more likely to use it now that it's partially owned by Oracle and Walmart? Which, by the way, <laughs> most major retailers like this have been collecting your data for like longer for sure. than the digital revolution. So enjoy that. 
there was a great quote from Larry Ellison, who's the billionaire, you know, in charge, the billionaire CEO of Oracle. And uh, <laughs> he had a great quote, too, that just sounded like of old guy trying to, you know, basically justify this. Like, well, not even be with the youngs, but he oh. was like, oh, yes, TikTok will, you know, our global cloud platform is certainly, you know, fitting for TikTok's blah, 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 blah. It just sounded like, oh, this is this is one of the people now in charge of the, you know, the social network that is so popular with the youth. Clearly, this all makes sense. You know, he knows what's up with the kids. I just found it hilarious. Yep. (laughs) But the good news is for now, it seems like American users can still perform their dance challenges and share them on TikTok. Uh, but hopefully you want to be careful about when you watch the service, right? Devinder, you were sharing like a disturbing story about the content that sometimes surfaces on, on, on TikTok. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about the power of TikTok is the power of the algorithm and the way the algorithm can, you know, what can get popular in TikTok is not just the super popular people with a Fun. ton of followers, but it can right. be a small thing from an account with very few followers that the algorithm lifts up and brings to other accounts and people share and share and share, yada, yada, yada. Uh, the problem is this account, this algorithm is so good, it's also kind of uncontrollable. And I think a couple of weeks ago, there was a story of a guy who committed suicide on TikTok. On a, well, no, he it was Facebook Live, but the Ooh. video made it over to TikTok and it just kept getting shared and shared and shared. And people would like put in filler opening videos so that you wouldn't, you couldn't tell that's where it was going. Whoa, and then that's like rude. clip in the stuff at the end. So all this stuff like anything in the media and social media there's potential for abuse and this algorithm you know tiktok is trying to stop this video but they had a hard time doing it because they can't control directly the algorithm you can't just because of the way yeah because of the way tiktok is built around sharing and resharing and constant like constant sharing like that it is tough to just stop one thing if people are rebadging it changing the the video a little or changing the music so that's a potential downside. Um, I hope the company is looking at that situation because every social network has dealt with this. It's not just them, but it does seem like their virality. It's like a viral engine mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. is uncontrollable. So mm-hmm. yeah, who knows if they can get some control over that eventually. Sherlyn, do you want we'll to talk see. about your Apple Watch <laughs> SE? Because I'm interested in um, your very first, uh, baby's first oh Apple review. <laughs> basically oh it's uh it's uh it's a it's it's an experience it is <laughs> you're like that's software just... that's so polished and shiny Shh. it's not crashing all the time don't, don't 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 tell people i admitted that no i'm kidding um yeah this is my first review of an apple watch i've had limited experience with apple watches in the past and you know i'm the lead wearables reviewer on engadget and we've been trying to make sure that i get like yeah. you know significant time with an apple watch for a while because it's only fair and it's it will inform my experience with other devices so i have the apple watch se this is a 40 millimeter uh size with a braided solo loop and it's gosh gosh (laughs) it's nice it's nice uh, i've i've said before that i know and am aware and actually believe that the apple watch is the best smartwatch in the space but now having spent an extended spend it having spent an extended amount of time with the the watch se i i I see why i like i get it (laughs) yeah it's you get why every other smartwatch has died and only apple has survived yeah well, there are certain things that I think Samsung does better. The Tizen OS is just easier to use. There's fewer mm-hmm. like things you need to do to get to uh, 
like a widget, for example, I want to, I want to add my, you know, water sure, intake sure. or something. Um, but what really is great about Apple Watch's ecosystem is that, oh my gosh, A, yeah. this thing flies. It's really fast. B, it works so well with like your iPhone. Um, Siri is pretty mm-hmm. smart. With watchOS 7, they've moved certain like uh, dictation, like the on, on dictations moved on device. Yep. So the processing is just so fast. Siri is also really accurate at un- understanding what I'm saying, which is mm-hmm. uh, surprising. And by, by the so, way, before Siri, you had to like, when you did hit Siri on the Apple Watch, it would hit your mm-hmm. iPhone. Like it would go back to the phone to kind of do the work. And there was always delay with that. It was always a little yeah. slow. So, hey, now that yeah. that's faster, it's, it's straight up like, um my dreams of being uh michael knight and knight rider and just like talking to my watch <laughs> yeah. and my robots uh yeah it's coming true your smartwatch dreams are coming true and i think that that like every review that i do i have a moment where i kind of sit and i'm like what am i going to like what is yeah. the message right and that was my message which was like what is this watch what does this watch represent <laughs> and for a lot of people it might be their first apple watch because this is the cheaper 279 dollars um version as opposed to the four hundred dollars series six right and it is it just tells me how far apple has come in the smartwatch making game this thing you don't have there's so much fewer delays there are so few pauses and stutters uh everything that i expect to work works more or less the way it should and you know, even though it's kind of super small, this thing just feels really dense. It feels so well made. I don't know. I don't want to like go on and it on. It feels so solid. I mean, <laughs> you're, you're talking about all the things people have been saying about the Apple Watch. I, I think know. since the very first one, although it's gotten faster no, and faster no. and more stable. Like I bought the, the first one. It felt good. Like as a device, it felt good. The software was just slow, you know? Apple's always made like good, like feeling. The, yeah. the things just feel well put together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. The I mean, software has had its issues or features were missing etc um but yeah no i mean i still prefer tizen's bezel interface where you can like flick it around and go and you know swipe through a lot of pages at once this may the be digital the first crown time doesn't really work like this Sherlyn, this is the first time anybody has said i still prefer tizen anything oh i still no no i will say samsung's spinning bezel <laughs> everyone has been it's saying a nice that it's bezel. still the it's best nice way. No, it's still bezel, the best way to interact with a watch. I don't, I don't mind the crown, and in fact, I like the way the crown, like the the little dial on the Apple Watch, feels like an actual watch dial. Whereas the bezel thing on on Samsung, based on what I saw like a couple years ago with some of the, I think the second gen Samsung watches, mm-hmm. like it was, it was fine. But those things are so thick. Like that's the thing. Even They're... when you showed off the Samsung watch with us. It's too thick on your wrist. It looks bad. Whereas you look at the Apple Watch, it's a lot lower profile. It seems more fitting to being a smart device in 2020, right? So the Watch 3, yes, they've mm-hmm. made the bezel slimmer and smaller and lighter. Um, and it still was a chunky, chunky watch. Boy. It's chunky baby. Yeah. Um, and yes, I agree that the digital <laughs> crown is lower profile. It is not as easy to use because it doesn't offer you as much like room to kind of like work with. Sure. But it's, again, up to you. If you're an Android person, the Apple Watch still isn't going to be good for you. So you're still going to go with like something like the galaxy watch um the watch active too however Mm -hmm. does have sort of that spinning bezel interface with the touch bezel rather than a physical spinning wheel um and i don't like that as much but it's there also if you need it anyway just like to quickly break down (laughs) what are some of the things that are Mm -hmm. that are coming out of this experience with uh 
Apple Watch SE. With Watch OS 7, which you know launches with this watch and the Series 6, you get sleep tracking, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, listeners of this podcast know about my love-hate relationship with that. And I also recently reviewed the Fitbit Sense, which does a different, like a more in-depth sort of sleep tracking. So the watch OS 7 one night, I put it on, I went to bed. Uh-huh. I was like, oh, grumbling, grumbling, grumbling. I don't want to wear a watch to bed, but I did it. Next morning I woke up, I was like, okay, after this night of terrible sleep, let's take a look at like what the watch OS is, uh, what the watch SE is going to tell me. <laughs> it didn't track anything. It didn't track anything. Why? Because I was a dummy. Plus there wasn't a step in the setup process that was like enable sleep tracking. Oh. But you have to. And I was, oh, but that's I was good. So that's good upset. for privacy in that it, it's, yes. it's asking you to do that. But yeah, you had to do that extra step. Sorry. Sean. I agree. No, no, no. I mean, yeah, <laughs> we were saying like in our production call, you were like, no, totally. Apple should be able to like, mm-hmm. it says automatic sleep tracking. It should be automatic. Um, I think once, but if- well, once you confirm it, I didn't know where you were in the setup process, but I feel like once you're being like, okay, you could do all this stuff, Apple, just let, you know, right. And then I was like, happening. I yeah. see, I see the total, like the point of the, yeah. you know, Apple's whole thing is being cautious about your privacy, about your permissions. So they want you to actively yeah. be like, be aware we're going to track your sleep. Mm-hmm. So this step, I get the whole theory <laughs> behind it. It was just a moment of like in the review process, this was frustrating. Anyway, yeah, I, yeah. I enabled it and then it's tracked my sleep. It's not as accurate, I feel, as the um, others that I've tested, the Fitbit Sense and the Galaxy Watch are a little bit better at it because they actually use your heart rate mm-hmm. and calculate your sleep zones. Whereas this thing, first of all, you set up like a wind down here, time to go to bed feature. I kind of like that. And I do like that. I've been using it on my phone and just like it makes the like little lullaby sounds like, oh, it is 1.15 a.m. and I've been writing all night. Maybe I should yes. leave this computer, you know? It's great on your phone. Yeah. It's not good on your watch because mm-hmm. it doesn't do anything on my watch other than like D&D, like blocks all <laughs> notifications. I'm like, great. I don't want to be woken up later on. So I set my late bedtime to 1 a.m., which is, I know it's late for most people, sure. but it's early for me. And what it does is it just starts counting as if you were sleeping yeah. from 1 a.m. Yeah. It's, like, it's not smart about No, it's not about actually when. in bed. Yeah. Right. So then it notices that like it will notice breaks in the time and it will, you know, log those. But ultimately it told me I slept a lot longer than I actually did, which was I went to bed at like 2.30 or something. I don't know. But yeah, um, I'm still not fully convinced that Apple's sleep tracking is better than the rest yet. Sure. Obviously, I think others do better on that. And this is something they can improve on. For I, the I think one. this is Fitbit. Fitbit was the one who started yeah, this started with that. the trackers like back yes with when they with were competing the with jawbone and yeah with the mm-hmm. aria like back when fitness trackers were big on this fitbit has been doing it forever so they have the most uh the most i believe they also bought some companies too for better sleep tracking and for better it's entirely health. possible yeah i i think that the sleep tracker is a better device to wear to bed than a watch oh, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. we can go on about that talking about fitbit i just finished reviewing the fitbit sense that thing i mean gosh i love the sleep insights you get from that honestly i don't like wearing anything to bed but mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. on my watch on my wrist but um the fitbit sense when you do get the results they're so like i spent some time looking at oh i i was in REM sleep for that long oh yeah. i was in restorative yeah. sleep for that long that was so great to see and 
got Samsung also does this, which is nice. I also anyway. feel like there should be a mode for these watches where you just slip it into your pillow, maybe, or something like a charging thing that sits under you cool. or near you while you're sleeping, so it can actually track. Right, since your I can actually remove stuff. the strap and yeah. just use the case, that would be that would be a really smart piece of software if they ever mm-hmm. came up with it. But it can't. Um, I don't. Does the Apple Watch do oxygen tracking too? No, not the SE. Well, not the SE. Not the SE. The Series 6 has the blood oxygen and the ECG. So mm-hmm. between the SE and the Series 6, your main difference is the lack of ECG. Mm-hmm. You don't have a blood oxygen sensor. Also, you don't have... Uh, you have a different processor. Yeah. But this, the one that's on the SE is speedy Still as fast. hell anyway. That was the last year's yeah. processor. So now it's right. on this. Um, that's good. I do wonder... With blood oxygen, how that what that could add to sleep tracking? Because I am somebody who constantly worries, like, do I have sleep apnea? I don't know. I mean, I've never gone through a test, but that's all about oxygen monitoring and everything. And I snore a lot sometimes, so that makes me worried. And your only solution yeah. to that is to get the uh, to get the mask, uh, whatever you call that. <laughs> the, um, the guard, the snore guard, or well, something. Well, snore guard, I'm but also sure. no, it is the um, the sleep apnea mask that has the machine uh. that kind of pumps CPAP. It kind of pumps for you. I do feel like we are waiting for a company to do like a smart CPAP thing because a lot of people sleep terribly. A lot of people snore and just making people sleep better would be like a monumental thing. I think Philips or some other companies have come up with them, but they're like 500 bucks plus, you know. So what uh, Fitbit does is it has, uh, I think, what looks like an experimental snore detection feature. Um, which I turned on and I don't snore. So like, obviously it didn't detect anything, (laughs) but, um, oh yeah, no, I know this for a fact. And, uh, the Fitbit's issue though, my issue with Fitbit, and you can see this in the review that went up on Engadget.com is that like the way, uh, you know, it detects or tracks your blood oxygen is only at night, which the company told me the reason they do this is that like your blood oxygen levels don't change a lot during the day. And really, if you're tracking at night, what you're doing is you're getting a baseline read and then you compare your variations. And that's how you detect things like sleep apnea or other respiration issues. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that is fine. You might want to consider the sense if you're really that concerned. Um, I don't know how Apple and Samsung with their blood oxygen, they're detecting more throughout the day. It takes Apple just 15 seconds. It takes Samsung more or less around the same time to get a reading. Which you're just going to get a result that tells you, like, you're good, more or less. <laughs> you're good. So I don't know. Yeah. I think another good thing about Fitbit, too, is it's good for being cross-platform, where yes. if you are somebody who doesn't know if you're going to stick with iOS or stick with Android, uh, I I know the Samsung stuff works with iOS 2, Sherlin. You mentioned that, but I have a feeling that it still works best with Android and all yeah. the Android widgets, right? So Every. <laughs> yeah. Every, we've discussed this before, every smartwatch that's not an Apple watch works better with Android because mm-hmm. it's more open. It allows you sure, to dictate sure, sure. replies and stuff like that, whereas iOS doesn't. But uh, obviously, Fitbit can also work with an iOS or iPhone yeah. if you want to, and you can still get those insights. Um, I wanted to say a really quick thing mm-hmm. about the Fitbit, which is... It, it, yeah, it's just comparing the Fitbit, moving from the Fitbit to the Apple Watch, I think is part of the reason why I was so amazed at the <laughs> Apple Watch. Because yeah. Fitbit's OS is limited. It's yeah. very, it's it's raw. It's kind of unrefined. It's kind of, and it's a shame in 2020, Fitbit's software is still so Right, they bought Pebble so just for the software. Yeah, yeah. And they did very little with it yeah. except for open up like the html developer platform for like easier app writing which mm-hmm. is great but anyway um <laughs> one last thing that i really liked about the apple watch though is um you know people keep talking about closing your ring yeah uh 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. It's another game. We found another (laughs) game for Shirlin to be obsessed with. It is the ring game. So tell me, did you just walk around in circles for a full day? I... I did walk around cir- in circles for quite a lot of the day. I, uh, I every time literally see how this plays out. Like, uh, fully predict <laughs> I just, this. I just walk up. I go grab, like, a glass of water, and I start pouring it. But, like, I walk around <laughs> as I pour it. I'm just like, let's do this. Uh-huh. Um, no, but what's been even more fun is uh, at the start of my review process, Chris Velasco, our senior mobile editor and also Apple Watch user, was like, uh, Chris Velasco has uh, invited you to share your activity. <laughs> oh God! The second that happened, he and I are both like so competitive now with each other. Mm-hmm. Like he'll go for a bike ride in the, at the end of the day just to like match. I added Valentina Paladino and other like Apple Watch users on the Engadget team, and yeah, we have like a I have a mini competition going on with everyone. So Valentina <laughs> always kicks butt. Yeah. She's always like. Never, Way never try to out exercise Valentina because she is no. always moving. She yeah. starts her day. So I also get alerts when all these people finish their workouts now because we're sharing info. I oh, wake man. up every morning to Valentina already having completed like two runs or something. Like, yeah. I'm just like, no, I just woke up. Um, yeah. So it's that's really fun. And it's not that Fitbit doesn't offer competition in its service. There is a Fitbit community Mm -hmm. that allows for that. It's just not as baked in. This thing just, yeah, yeah, it just, you're starting to see the Apple spell, Sherlyn. Like it's the baked in, it's the, it's so nice. It just works. It's a lot of that is the reason people stick with Apple. Yeah. What it is is I knew in theory before and then having it now, and also being a person who has reviewed a lot of other smartwatches, (laughs) It's more that like because I've seen what's not so great yeah. coming to something that's really well done feels like <laughs> such a huge difference. You know what's funny is that you being an Android expert has made you, in a way, appreciate iOS and watchOS right, like, more. Right, like I'm primed to fans. love watchOS more. Yeah. I did write, I did already write an article like mm-hmm. in June that watchOS seven might be what gets me to move over to iOS. I will say, dear listener and viewer, don't worry. I am not a traitor. I am still going to stick to Android. But this thing <laughs> really tells me. But a now lot your about life Apple's is filled doing. with regret. You're just like, man, well, I wish. I'm just only... gonna have two phones and two watches because the <laughs> iPhone can be my work phone. You'll have the good phone and the bad phone. Gotcha. That's that's so mean. That's not true. <laughs> the good watch and the bad watch, maybe. Talking about bad phones, I don't know. <laughs> Or other... You're being mean again. <laughs> tell me about tell me about the Samsung Galaxy Impact for every fan event in which they announced Jeez. another goddamn phone. So Samsung, yeah, announced the Impact event for every fan. It was Tuesday, Wednesday or Tuesday at like whatever time. Mm-hmm. Again, but time is always a circle. the fans already own the phones? Like, why are you hosting an event a right, year that's after... That's the question... Well, uh, that's yeah. the question that everyone has been asking uh-huh. since they talked about the S20 FE, which is the fans want the higher end phone. Well, the S20 FE stands for Fan Edition, and it comes, it's $699, so it's like $700, which is $200 cheaper than the S20 ish. And it's got like 6.5 inch screen, but 1080p instead of Quad HD. You get like the same processor, but the camera, the the camera that's the telephoto lens is a little less sharp. It's eight megapixels actually. If I, uh, I'm not a hundred percent sure on the. I just numbers. I want to cock my head like like an owl and just like full like <laughs> what? None of this makes sense. It's a very 
because to me is a strange yeah it's a strange mix and hodgepodge of it's sexy it's just a cheaper s20 right but don't they already have a cheaper s20 no they have the s20 s20 plus and s20 ultra okay okay so now you got the cheap fe s20 <sighs> and let's let's talk about why the hell they named this fe because we were saying it's clearly not so-called for the fans like they're trying to tell you uh-huh. uh we we had a briefing with samsung and someone asked samsung hey why are you calling it the fe yeah. they're like well because we did market research and the <laughs> word light doesn't do so well uh... and the word e doesn't do great and so we're going to go with FE because FE tracks well with people. We're like, yeah, it tracks well with people because they think you're going to stuff it with special yeah, bonus yeah. features. like Or like BTS edition. Give us edition like a special or... edition phone with the new processor or something that the people who bought it early didn't get, right? Right. And I think it's also kind of a take on Apple's SE, right? We've got the <laughs> Apple Watch SE. We've got the um, uh-huh. you know iPhone SE. Are you saying so... Samsung may be copying Apple in some respects? That's... That's unfounded. I mean, that's that's uh, that's totally nothing Never happened that before. no one in the industry has ever done before. Yeah. I mean, S E F E even sounds a little bit like S E. No, it does. About it. it does. So, so let's. Uh, I think that that's what they were going for. So let's see if they continue this naming because Samsung has tried a lot of different names for its budget phones now, and it's <laughs> right. none of them have really stuck. The other thing too is with this phone. We've got the total number of phones launched this year by Samsung just in the flagship lines. Uh-huh. It's up to eight. Okay. So, yeah. like, I'm going to run this down Galaxy S20, S20 Plus, S20 Ultra, Z Flip. <laughs> then we had the Note 20, Note 20 Ultra, the Galaxy Z Fold 2, and now the S20 FE. You're not even carrying, and, like, the A line, which is the whole. Yo, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not even the A line. And then I tweeted this out and I got, like, all kinds of, like, all <laughs> around the world. People were like, not even the M51, the N9. Yeah, I was like, yeah, okay, yeah. guys, I know there's a lot of there phones. I'm just counting yeah. the top ones. But, like, holy crap, Samsung. And I mean, I agree they, they used to do, like, carrier versions of specific mm-hmm. phones. So it's already, like, a drop. In Aren't the there, and there are phones. 5G variants this year, too, right? Because For some of the yeah. phones, there are. I think the Z Flip comes in the Z Flip 5G. Yeah. Um, but anyhow, <laughs> Samsung, y'all, you, you got a lot of assembly lines going on right well, there. The, I see well, the, you. So, what is the price of this phone? Because I feel like any. 699. This mm-hmm. is their. How does this compare to the, uh, you know, uh, Pixel 4a, which is 350 bucks and is our perfect, lovely, cheap boy? So, uh, biggest difference I think you'll see is the processor is actually different. Uh-huh. There is the 865 on the S20 FE, and, you know, Google uses more like a 700 level, but Google, really, you can't really tell the difference. The software runs really well on the 4a. Another huge difference, camera. Um, you get additional sensors with the S20 FE, which offers you a bit more flexibility sure, and versatility sure. in your shooting. Um, but again, Google has done such a great job with the one sensor that I, you know, much as I would like a wide angle lens mm-hmm. for landscapes, I not I don't feel like I'm missing I out. I kind of trust Google's software more than Samsung's multiple sensors, especially like I think uh, I, I was watching reviews of the latest Note, right? And mm-hmm. The camera stuff seems weird. It just seems like Samsung is doing weird processing to a lot of things in a not great way. Yeah. Uh, well, dep- well, yeah. Samsung, you're, with Samsung, your selfies are always going to look a little bit artificially mm-hmm. tweaked just a mm-hmm. bit. Um, and the rest of it, though, I mean, there's like some sort of artifacts in processing. <laughs> Samsung has tamped that down a lot, but I, I kind of see it as like 
one of the things is the way they render color. And mm-hmm. I see the approach of Samsung versus Google and versus the iPhone cameras on color yeah. as similar to that philosophy of Canon versus uh, Nikon right, or right. something like that. Like Boulder versus Canon's- more muted. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. exactly. So it's really up to your own preference sometimes. And I think Samsung users are either already used to it or mm-hmm. they have found their own workarounds or they like it. Um, and everyone else that prefers like natural, more neutral colors are going to prefer something like i mean okay. we don't even talk about the huawei phones the huawei phones are oversaturated a lot sure, of the times sure sure i mean yeah so it is sort of like mild. it is like looking at tv screens too is like if you look at a tv screen and best buy or something yeah. it's too bright the color is cranked up way too much like that's how right. people try to sell you on screen so yeah. i get it uh yeah. Trillin, are there going to be any other samsung events this year because i am i'm done with samsung i don't want to talk about samsung anymore I, uh, so we usually see Samsung do yeah. a developer conference in November. I, okay. you know, everyone's all like, where's that Galaxy Homeboy? Where's that Galaxy? Uh-huh. You know? So we don't know whether they'll have another. Where the Tizen fans at? Where the, where the Bixby, where's the Bixby speaker? Maybe there'll be a Bixby does fridge. Does not exist. Does not I mean, exist. I the Bixby fridge probably yeah. does exist, actually. I, th- um, I think, uh, you, I don't know if you've seen Popstar Never Stop Never Stopping yet, Sherlyn, which is a masterpiece so of comedy <laughs> and one of the greatest American <laughs> movies ever made of the past 10 years, at least. Okay. Um, but there's a point where they make a joke about a smart fridge and how smart fridges go haywire when you send songs over a bad firmware update. I see the Amazing. Bixby fridge. That is the Bixby fridge. That is a fridge yeah. with a speaker in it for some reason that you talk to and Samsung sends an update and it just plays music every time you open it way too loud. That is. Samsung's going to do that. Terrifying. You heard it here that first. Is... I predict it. <laughs> it's worth mentioning as you're hearing this, um, you're probably going to you know see a lot of news about new Amazon devices. We are recording this on Thursday morning literally yeah. hours before the Amazon event starts. So unfortunately, we cannot talk about the new Amazon stuff, uh, yeah. which is a shame. And hey, I'm, I'm just going to throw some ideas out there. Um, Probably new Echoes, probably new probably? smart features, sp- probably some smart I... devices that nobody will give a crap about, but Samsung yeah. is crazy enough to make. So the smart no, can Amazon, opener. No, Amazon, yeah. yeah. Let's, let's yeah. throw some ideas out there. Uh, I sent I'm one, thinking, yeah. Yeah. What are you thinking? Uh, smart, uh, smart curtains have been mm, done. Probably that's good. smart what curtains Amazon... are done. Yeah, yeah. A smart, smart uh, drying rack because Amazon Basics's closed drying rack is pretty, pretty freaking. So, good. so you can get some smart air on your wet clothes. Smart, smart air, or or like <laughs> a moisture detection, and then tell tell I can't say the word Alexa, but mm. tell Alexa mm. that uh you 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 want uh, she can tell you when your clothes are dry. <laughs> I mean, that, that's one thing. I, I sent a note to Scott Stein over at CNET because he was wondering what sort of crazy things were popping yeah. up to. Uh, I propose the Echo Lou, which is a smart bidet <laughs> that tracks your excrement, yes. uh, therefore tracking your nutrition levels and everything you've eaten, and also automatically starts building a shopping list for you based on what you've already eaten. Amazing. I feel like that Amazing. is the full circle fiber going straight diet. to Whole Foods. It's a full circle Amazon ecosystem right oh. there. Echo Lou. Bidets are hot now in the pandemic era. Just speaking, wait. Just wait. Speaking, yeah, no, speaking of that whole ecosystem uh-huh. thing with Amazon having announced the Halo wearable with Ugh. like health tracking and like tone detecting weirdly. Tone detecting, uh, mansplaining. I know. Yeah, built in. I can see their new like controversial product being the Echo weighing scale. Mm. 
this I mean, that's, BMI yeah. is too high. Time to not buy so much candy from Whole Foods. Because those those have existed for years, so I'm sure. Actually, yes. I'm. But adding, I think you're adding, right, Charlene. They could yeah, easily that add come that. Out. Yeah, that would be a very obvious thing for them to make. But mm-hmm. if the rest of you watching or listening have any ideas as to what might come out of the Amazon event, feel free to send I think, them our uh, way. There were there were some by leaks. the time uh, the Fire TV yeah. Stick Light, a cheaper version of mm-hmm. the Fire TV. That is one thing. Uh, that's a smart project uh, product to launch just because uh, mm-hmm. Roku has a whole bunch of uh, cheap sticks now. Like cheap streaming sticks are all over the place. They make great gifts. They're easy to install. So and that we, makes sense. Yeah. And we saw that Google is announcing a new Chromecast at its event next week too. Yep. So yep. this is going to go up against that. That, that is next week's news. We're going to be all in on <laughs> Google and that's going to be fun. I do like the one thing Google does pretty well is the whole Chromecast platform, mm-hmm. even though they killed Chromecast it. audio and I'm still, that mm-hmm. still hurts. Um, yeah. But yeah, Chromecast, hopefully they keep building on that. Anything else you want to mention we'll about Amazon, Trillin? I don't know. By the time this episode is up and people are listening to it on whatever podcast platform, Mm -hmm. you'll already know. But just keep sending those wild ideas to us. Maybe one of them will be picked up by Amazon and you can claim bragging rights to being having thought of it first. I think one fun thing is let's collect some ideas. We could go start talking to smart gadget companies and see who (laughs) wants to build some of these things. My Echo Lou (laughs) will be real one day. One day, actually, I have a Toto bidet on my uh, oh, on God. one of my bathrooms. So, yeah, mm-hmm. that is that thing. I wrote about that for a gadget. One of my yeah. favorite, one of my favorite gadget purchases of the past few years is a is a freaking bidet because in the middle of winter, yes. you want something warm on your butt. That is it. This might, yeah, that's I all you want. In. I can't. That's all you want. Uh, let's move in to what we've been working <laughs> on. And, uh, you know, things I'm doing when I'm not sitting on my Toto bidet is uh, testing the Razer Blade 2020, uh, which is uh, the, their latest blade with the RTX 2080 chip and a 300 hertz screen. So wow. I'm going to be working on a review for that soon. It is super cool. I'm testing one of the first Intel Evo laptops. I don't need to keep it secret. It is the Asus ZenBook Flip S. Which Ooh. is super cool. So I'm gonna. That's gonna be a full review. I'm gonna be out next week, but I'll have a review for that in at some point. I'm really digging this. And also last week I tested out that Intel Tiger Lake uh, prototype mm-hmm. machine. Mm-hmm. These things feel so fast, and this machine in particular feels so super thin, while also moving really quickly. It is. It's a computer where almost the instant I flip up the screen, it just pops on into the login screen or into like Windows Hello to get me to. The desktop, like I wanna, yeah, I would love great. to see how fast that compares to existing, like not to say Windows on Snapdragon, but a lot sure. of the Ultrabooks I've used lately are are pretty fast already. So mm-hmm. it'd be nice to see. It's, how... it's like the new big thing. Um, so mm-hmm. yeah, testing those two things. Um, certainly, I mean, what else is new? There's gonna be a lot of stuff coming. I am preparing. I'm preparing for the onslaught of console uh. reviews, which are certainly gonna hit us uh, towards the middle and end of October. Uh, that's going to be a big thing. Look out for our content around all of that. Um, Shirlin, what's up with you? Uh, yeah, in addition to reviewing the Apple Watch SE, now that the Fitbit Sense review has gone up, I am working on a lot of embargoed stuff as per usual that mm-hmm. I can never say. I'm the secret keeper. I have only a lot of secrets. But everyone knows that Google's event is next week on Wednesday. So I am obviously also preparing for that. It's like studying for an exam. Yeah. This is our job. I, I have to like do all the research and revision and write a lot of stuff. Uh, I'm very sure we will have all the coverage for you. We will be watching that event live most probably. So stay tuned for a link from us or, you know, 
subscribe to our YouTube channel to get notified when we go live so you can watch it with us. Uh, it'll be fun. Davindra, you said you won't be around next week, right? I won't. Oh, I forgot this Google event was happening. But yeah, um, okay. I will not be around, <laughs> but hopefully you guys will be fine. Enjoy the Android we stuff. We will be okay. <laughs> I know. We will be. We will hopefully be okay and hopefully have plenty of help from the rest of our coworkers so you can take some well-deserved time off. Woo! I'm just going to be playing a lot of games. That's, that's me. But uh, okay. Do you have any picks you want to talk about Sherlyn what's up this week yeah so I mean we all heard the really sad news over I think the weekend that Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed and I you know saw that over the weekend too a lot of people were playing the mm-hmm. RBG documentary yeah. and- by, by the way smart move Hulu like who is streaming yeah. the RBG doc uh straight up right to the front page like immediately that night and it makes sense because a lot of people want to find this thing yeah I know that everyone is aware of the RBG documentary. I mean, a lot of networks were streaming it for free. Hulu did, like Devendra said, uh, put it front and center for the weekend as well. So you know, it's a good documentary. You've probably already seen it. But I wanted to point out my personal connection to this documentary. One of the directors, uh, Betsy West, was my RW1 professor at school, at J school. uh, And Julie Cohen, her co-director, it was also one of our professors at the school. So, you know, it's you know. nice to see my uh, the person who taught me everything I know about video production, a.k.a. none of the skills I use today, um, yeah. be, you know, have her work be celebrated and also have worked with such an amazing inspiration. Like she spent so much time with RBG mm-hmm. collecting all of that, you know, information about her life and her legacy. So... Just check it yeah. out if you haven't already. I'm so glad uh, this have... movie was made, by the way. Like it's I know. It seems like it's been something people were trying to do for a while and I'm glad this you know, was able to happen uh shortly before her death. Yeah. I'm glad yeah, we they were able to do that in like such a timely fashion mm-hmm, too. Mm-hmm. And it was wild to see like my professors on the red carpets and winning <laughs> Emmys and stuff, even though they've already won a lot of awards. Sure. It's just they're like all right, y'all are now like even more a big deal than you were. Yeah, when you were the, this movie me, so. was a box office hit too, so it put yeah. them in a place to make a lot more documentaries. You know, so that's a lot of clout within the movie industry. Yeah, I want to also recommend something a little less uh, heavy uh, or a little less inspirational. Yeah. I want to see. Yeah, <laughs> it, and 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 I don't want to sound rude to follow up RBG with this, but. Devendra, you'll be uh-huh. happy to know that I have I, I watched uh, recently the Fast Times Live table read that was on YouTube. Okay. Have you heard of that? I've heard. I mean, there have been a lot of table reads. I have not seen this one. But yeah, this one, I like Fast Times. It it's fine. Huge names. Like, yeah, big uh, names. I mean, it's their thing. And, and everyone went wild for the, uh, for the Jen Aniston and Brad Pitt reunion moment uh-huh. on there that was kind of slightly awkward. Because I'm sure you remember the iconic scene. Because I've never watched Fast Times at Richmond High. <laughs> this was my yeah. first ever encounter with Wait, so you movie. haven't even seen the movie, but you watched I know, this live I've never, <laughs> Yes. I never watched the movie, but okay. I watched the table read. And it was awkward as hell, but also great. Shia LaBeouf, I'm not entirely sure how to pronounce his Shia name. Shia LaBeouf, come on. LaBeouf, Shia LaBeouf, he did not work his butt off since he was a child <laughs> for you to call him Shia LaBeouf. Come on. Well, there's a lot of people whose names get mispronounced all the time. Andrzej Parekh on the Emmys also had his name mispronounced despite winning a very important <laughs> award. So let's put that out there. Uh, I'm sorry, Shia LaBeouf uh, wow. was also really great in character as Spicoli. 
this was my introduction to all these characters you guys have known for a long time and this was uh, you're uh, you're taking the route that i'm sure a lot of like uh gen z folks uh are doing too possibly. who have probably not seen this movie but who knows because listen the youngs have have latched onto the office as their new nostalgic look at and friends yeah, which is strange friends. so who knows maybe this is for me this was my nostalgic look at like the 80s yeah. when i was you know a 90s kid so yeah okay so so now that you said gen z kids are picking it up can i classify myself as gen z like i'm gen you're z, right? you're in a generation of your own children let's put it that that's way that's true <laughs> wow what did, what do you recommend people watch um so i have been previewing a show mm-hmm. that's going to be premiering on Amazon this Friday. And that is the remake of the British series Utopia. And it is freaking astounding. Like, it's very good. Ooh. I tried to watch the original show, and I know a lot of people who loved it. Um, so I, you know, the caveat of this show is that basically it seems like a straight up, you know, almost direct remake of everything happening, um, you know, in the original series. But just, I love how well done it is um so first of all this is a utopia remake um by gillian flynn it's written by gillian Mm. flynn so like you know the 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 person who brought um gone girl to life and everything Mm, wow like like the Mm -hmm. the author of gone girl um it is a show about a group of comic nerds who are obsessed with a with a, a comic called Utopia because they think it can help them predict uh, how the world is going to end. And it is a show, it's a hard show to watch now because it's all about pandemics. It's all about like the <laughs> things and the impending apocalypse that we're facing. Um, but I like the characters. I think the writing is super strong. Um, you know, it has a great incredible. cast. Yeah, it looks, it looks great. It has a great cast, including John Cusack as like, a super rich pharma bro who may or may not be in charge of this. Rain Wilson is in it as a like biotechnology guy. Um, and just, just something for me, uh, one of the lead roles is played by Sasha Lane, I believe her name mm. is. And she was, you know, she's a tremendous actor who first appeared on American Honey, uh, like an independent movie I loved from a couple of years ago. So just great cast all around. Great like end of the world stuff. Um, mm-hmm. If you like good thrillers if you like apocalyptic thrillers and it's it's really deeply embedded in like fan culture and stuff too if you've ever loved you know something so much if you've been a fan boy or fan girl or something and you feel like your devotion to it could help you unlock the secrets of the world which i've certainly felt with some shows um uh, namely neon genesis evangelion uh but yeah <laughs> things like that if you were if you've ever had that fan culture i think you'll really appreciate utopia so check it out on amazon uh starting friday I actually can't wait to watch this. It looks like this sort of sci-fi TV show I've been yep. w- looking for instead of watching <laughs> Ghost Hunters, which I just started Stop watching, watching Ghost on Hunters. Hulu. Uh, wow. I'll watch this one instead. For once, I will pick, <laughs> listen to one of your recommendations. <laughs> That's it for our show this week, everyone. Thank you, as always, for listening. Our theme music is by game composer Dale North. Our outro music is by our very own Terrence O'Brien. The podcast is produced by Ben Elman. You can find Devendra online at... At Devendra on Twitter. I podcast about movies and TV at SlashFilm.com at the SlashFilmCast. If you want to hear me talk about The Legend of Korra, which is incredible, I'm at Republic City Dispatch. Uh, Just Google that and you'll find our show. And if you can hold off on sending me all the different types of phones Samsung has made in your country, (laughs) that would be great. You can find me on Twitter at Sherlyn Lowe. Feel free to send me uh, tips on where to find the best Malaysian food in the U.S. as well. Mm. 
Email us at podcastedinggadget.com. Leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe, please, on anything that gets podcasts, including Spotify. 